7.53. It is happy hour on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll give you our early leans in Major League Baseball for tonight's slate of 16 games. We'll also be joined coming up next by the Baltimore Ravens studio host, Melissa Kim, to talk about last night's crazy overtime game against the Vegas Raiders. Last, a man who was at the game last night, the opener for fans at Allegiant Stadium, Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest men in Las Vegas. He'll join us as our last guest here on this Trusted Cat for Tuesday. First, it is our West Coast wake up. We got a bombshell dropped on us yesterday afternoon on the West Coast where USC fired their head coach, Clay Helton. Helton lost 42-28 at home against Stanford. That's where the firing pretty much took place afterwards. Ben, how surprised are you that Helton got fired so early into the season? Very much so, because we all knew this was the case with Clay Helton. Clay Helton shouldn't have been the football coach at USC following a 5-7 and seven 2018 campaign, and yet the brass at USC then decided to extend him through the 2023 season. I was not so shocked that this happened at any point. I was shocked it happened two games into the year. I was surprised it didn't happen back in 2018. Clay Helton was 46-24 and 24 in his tenure as USC's football coach. But here's a very interesting stat for you. A good majority of that tenure was with a former top five pick in the NFL draft, the current Carolina Panthers quarterback in Sam Darnold. With Clay Helton and Sam Darnold there in Los Angeles for USC, together they had a 20-4 record. Clay Helton without Sam Darnold is 20-16 with all other quarterbacks not named Sam Darnold. And you don't think gambling matters. Again, I brought this up earlier in the show, but it is a fascinating stat. And again, the gambling world does have some impact even on coaching hirings and firings. The last time U.S. was a 15-or-more point favorite and lost the game prior to Saturday night against Stanford was back in 2015. They fired Steve Sarkeesian, who lost to Washington that night. On that time, they lost by 15 or more point, or they lost as a 15-and-a-half point or 15-or-more point favorite in that game. They did the same thing on Saturday night after USC lost 42-28 to to Stanford. So each of the last two times, the UFC Trojans have been a 15-point favorite or more and lost they have fired a head football coach. So, yes, Ariel, the gambling world does have an impact on coaching vacancies in college football. Looking at the odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, seeing those odds for the Pac-12, Oregon is up 2-1 to one to win it, Arizona State 4-1, to one, UCLA 5-1, to one, USC all the way down there at 12-1, to one, losing their first game of the year. Ben, how do you see this Pac-12 shaping out? Well, I think it's very interesting that we mentioned that because USC looked really good in their opener against San Jose State. But there has been one game between Pac-12 foes so far this season. It was that game on Saturday night between Stanford and USC. So for the Trojans to go down to be 0-1 in Pac-12 play does have a significant impact on this Pac-12 market. Again, prior to this game on Saturday night, USC had the tied second shortest odds to win the Pac-12 Conference Championship at plus 400, up there with the likes of Arizona State and where UCLA almost finds themselves now. Really, it was going to be a very competitive Pac-12 South between USC, between Arizona State, and between UCLA as well. Also throw in Utah. But now, USC has kind of dropped out of that race a little bit. And with all the uncertainty around their head coach, who exactly knows? As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the third hour of the morning after. It's happy hour. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This 
is our West Coast Wake Up segment discussing the bombshell in college football yesterday that USC has fired Clay Helton and the impact it has on the gambling market. Because now, Ariel, like you mentioned, USC is 12 to 1 to win the Pac-12 title. That is far behind where Arizona State and UCLA and even Utah are in the mix to win the Pac-12 South division. So that will have a huge impact for the rest of the way for the USC Trojans. I'm not sure they can make up enough ground. Obviously not having a head coach, a permanent head coach in place is going to hinder them a little bit as well. Really the path lays out very well for Oregon right now. Obviously the huge win over Ohio State on Saturday. The Ducks are 2-1 to to win the Pac-12. The North does not look great with teams like Washington being 0-2 and and the rest of that division not looking all that spectacular. Stanford got the win on Saturday night, Ariel, but they are not expected to be a team to contend for the Pac-12 North Divisional title or the Pac-12 Conference Championship as well. So Oregon sets up very well right now to make a run through the Pac-12. If they can win a Pac-12 championship, could a Pac-12 team get back to the college football playoff? The interesting thing about Oregon, they were the favorites prior to the year getting underway to win the Pac-12, but they were plus 790 to make the college football playoff, even being the favorites to win a Pac-12 title. Those odds, I'm sure, have shifted right now, although make-miss playoff odds for college football not up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What is up on the FanDuel Sportsbook? The odds for USC up against Washington State next or this upcoming weekend. And USC is minus eight and a half on the road at Washington State. It will be Dante Williams, who's the new or interim coach at USC. How do you see a change in coaching affecting this USC Trojans team on the road? It'll be interesting to see a team that does not have a permanent head coach being a road favorite in a conference matchup. Now, Wazoo is not great this year. Pullman is a decent place to play, not the toughest competition. I still think USC could probably win that football game, but to be an eight-and-a-half-point road favorite in a couple days following the immediate firing of your head coach, an interesting number by the FanDuel Sportsbook. If this was the pros, you'd say to go lay the points. The pros would always tell you that firing a head coach that's been struggling is a good thing. College football, not so sure. Coming up next, Baltimore Ravens studio host Melissa Kim to talk about last night's crazy game. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, Baltimore Ravens studio host, Melissa Kim. Melissa, I was so annoyed I had to come on this show today to talk about this game. I wish this game happened where I had the day off the next day. You had it way worse than me. You had to host the post-game show after that crazy game where the Ravens lost in overtime to the Vegas Raiders. Melissa, how was last night's post-game? Let's talk about the Ravens' side first. How were the Ravens post-game? 
I mean, obviously they were not in the greatest of moods. Very disappointed, everyone from the head coach all the way down to the backups. I mean, when you lose a game like that in that kind of fashion, to open your season on a big stage at a stadium where there are fans for the first time, a brand new stadium, it definitely is a huge blow, especially in the way that they lost it. After the game, head coach John Harbaugh said, we had three or four chances to win the game. They obviously didn't take advantage of those opportunities and couldn't close it out. And on the flip side, Raiders head coach John Gruden said he felt like a cat who had nine lives, which... The Ravens gave him every single one of those lives for the most part. I mean, credit to Vegas, though. Their defense really stepped up uh, on that last drive in overtime where Carl Nassib forced the fumble on um, Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, if you had no stake in the game, I think this would have been an awesome game to watch on a Monday night uh, for Monday night football. But if you had a stake on particularly the Baltimore side, it was not the night for you, unfortunately. Melissa, unfortunately, I did have a stake on the Ravens in this game. Their team total over of 27. It fell on 27 because they could not convert in overtime. And Lamar Jackson, after the game, rightfully so, was disappointed and took a lot of the ownership for losing that football game. Although, just from an outside perspective, I don't think it was Lamar's fault. But I think it goes to speak about the leadership of this Baltimore Ravens team. What did Lamar have to say after the loss of the Ravens? Oh, absolutely. I think that Lamar Jackson, when you are in a position like him, where you are a dynamic quarterback, especially on this kind of team and a leader on this team, you do, I mean, you could see it in the game. He literally tried to take the team on his shoulders and run into the end zone. So he took a lot of responsibility for that. Like you said, Ben, it is, it doesn't fall just on one person's shoulders when you lose a game like this. It's obviously a team effort to lose this game as well but Lamar understandably not happy with himself very uncharacteristic to see him fumble the ball at all but let alone two or three times so you will definitely see these guys like you know um them rest on their leaders in the uh, on the team just a little bit Lamar Calais Campbell even Hollywood Brown you know he was saying like hey you know it was it was not Lamar's fault this falls on all of us we got to regroup and They have a very short turnaround coming up, so they really have to do it very quickly. Let's talk about that short turnaround. Baltimore Ravens studio host Melissa Kim joining us. The Ravens are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Baltimore is plus three and a half. They are home dogs welcoming in the Chiefs. What do the Ravens need to change to get better and be more competitive, potentially even win and beat the Chiefs? Well, I think that they really kind of have to find their offensive rhythm. As we know, the overarching theme of injuries on this offensive core has been a theme all throughout training camp, all throughout preseason. And their new running backs have literally only had a couple of days. Latavius Murray um, only having a couple of days to really get acquainted with Lamar and this offense and the team. And that kind of stuff takes time, as we all know, that chemistry that, you know, just getting the feel for how your quarterback plays when you're a running back, that kind of stuff takes time. So I think they need to give themselves some time to get some rhythm on offense. Defensively, they, defensively, they have to clean a lot of things up, um, obviously. Like, I mean, they played very well in the first half, first quarter defensively. And then, you know, I think Wink was trying to maybe be uh, Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, trying to get a little creative, trying to try some other things out, which when you're one of the most blitz-heavy defenses in the NFL – maybe throw a couple of, you know, wrenches in there. But I really think they need to clean a couple of things up on defense. I mean, Kansas City, that is going to be – a lot of people have this game circled on their calendar if you're a Ravens fan or if you're on the Ravens because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have beat the Ravens at least for the last three times that they've met up. And, well, it'll be a great game, though, I'm sure, seeing these two quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks go against each other. It's going to be fantastic football. 
I assume Melissa Kim will be there in attendance in Baltimore on Sunday night. I know my co-host Ariel Epstein will also be there in attendance on Sunday night for that awesome game between the Ravens and the Chiefs. Melissa, you touched on the defense briefly under Wink Martindale. Obviously, at the end of last week, a huge blow to that secondary in losing Marcus Peters for the season. And at times last night, the Raiders certainly targeted that. Derek Carr threw for 435 yards in that Monday night opener against the Ravens. So what do you want to see from the defense week number two to try to make some adjustments to get better in the secondary? Well, obviously, yeah, like you said, Marcus Peters, a huge part of this defense, a huge part of making plays on this defense. And at times you could tell that they certainly missed him. Anthony Averett, while he is Coach uh, Wink Martindale called him a potential to be an all-pro talent. He still needs some time. He still needs that experience that Marcus Peters obviously had that he doesn't have just yet. I think with time, this is the thing. This team, especially not having preseason last year and then being thrown into the season um, last season as well, and then the COVID issues they had last fall, plus all the injuries and COVID issues again this preseason, they've had a tough time really kind of playing together, getting that time together that a lot of teams have already had, not having the injury situations and the COVID situations that this team has had in preseason. So I think that they just need a couple of weeks to get it together. Unfortunately, the season is already, the bus has already left the station. You know, the train has already left the station, uh, to use a Wink Martindale analogy there. But um, they are, unfortunately for them, they have these big games at the top of their schedule. But I just think they need some time to just get the rhythm together, get to gel together just a little bit more. Melissa, it was a shocking scratch yesterday, right before the game. They listed their cornerback, Jimmy Smith, inactive. What is the update on Smith? How likely is he to play against the Chiefs? You know, all throughout training camp and preseason, he's been in and out. You know, he hasn't, you can tell that he fully hasn't recovered yet. I saw him at practice on Thursday last week and you know he did take a couple of moments a lot of moments actually on the sideline just to kind of take a knee and to rest his ankle and stuff so I think that the recovery process has been slow he said he's been feeling better so we'll see this week in practice um, how much he actually gets in there and gets in on the action so hopefully we will see him because he will be very much needed this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, based on the loss last night to the Raiders, we did see some movement in the market work against the Ravens in the AFC North divisional market. The Browns now the favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 135. The Ravens the second shortest odds at plus 165. I am not going to overreact, but what is the outlook right now for Baltimore the rest of the way? I think that you know, overreactions always happen after week one. We're all just so excited to see football again, right? Um, I don't think, I'm not ready to put the Browns ahead of the Ravens just yet. I think it's still week one. Um, I still have the Ravens at the top of my uh, my odds, if you will, of winning the AFC North. So I think that too early, too early to tell. But I think the surprise here is that the Bengals are one of the teams um, at the top of the AFC North right now. Who would have thought after week one? That was the biggest <laughs> shocker for me. Incredible. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, too, upsetting the Buffalo Bills. They were six-and-a-half-point yeah. dogs. They go in and get the win in Buffalo. Uh, for the Ravens and what you saw in the Sammy Watkins game week one, he's I think I saw a stat, 85% of his yardage in his career has come in week one. He has a comeback game in week two. Maybe you get more Sammy Watkins, but I'm looking to the running backs. Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, how much could you expect Le'Veon Bell to be activated for the Chiefs game? Just about 30 seconds. 
I think that they, he, they're going to need him. You know, they're going to need his experience. The reason why they didn't take him off the practice squad this week was because he wasn't really in football shape yet. I think they're going to wait and see how he does physically in practice this week before they activate him. But I think uh, you mentioned Tyson Williams. I think he had a great first game, uh, first NFL debut game in a Ravens uniform. I thought he played spectacularly well for what he had to deal with. Looking at what Lamar Jackson had to deal with, not having a dump-off guy like he was used to with J.K. Dobbins, a Gus Edwards. If you could get Le'Veon Bell's legs to be healthy again and he gets that that dump-off guy, then I could see this being oh, maybe the offensive line's not going to be the detriment to the team. Melissa Kim, thank you so much for coming on with us. Make sure to catch her on Twitter and covering the Baltimore Ravens all season long. And I will see you on Sunday. We'll make sure to take a picture together. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait. Coming up next, we'll break down Major League Baseball. 16 games on the slate tonight. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. the morning after on sports grid it is sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein make sure to check us out on social media go to sports grid and sports grid tv we have two different handles you can follow us there and you can follow along for anything you may have missed from our show at sports grid and sports grid tv now it's time to check in on major league baseball 16 games on the slate we love our props let's get to k-props I may be crazy. I have not gone to a Garrett Cole strikeout prop in a very long time. I hate buying the top of the market. However, there is value here. The Baltimore Orioles, it was weird, I almost said Ravens. The Baltimore Orioles have the ninth highest strikeout rate in baseball, seventh highest against right-handers, and fifth highest in the last 30 days. In fact, their K rate has gone up by almost a full percentage in the last month. Cole just came out of the game. His last start, it was left hamstring tightness, which the Yankees said if they threw him on the mound, he'd be okay. This is part of the cap. You have, you can be worried about Garrett Cole and his potential to leave the game early. However, I think you're getting good value here. It is a high number of 8.5 plus money to the over. In fact, I'm looking at a plus 132 right now on FanDuel. The reason I like this is because against teams that have a top 10 K rate against right-handed pitchers, Cole's averaging just under 10 strikeouts per game. In fact, the last time he faced the Orioles, he had 13 strikeouts against them. I could see this one going over. Take advantage of not only that value of 8.5, which could even have been a 9.5, you're taking a good plus money number. I'll take the over 8.5 on Garrett Cole today against the Orioles, Ben. Love it. It was my same thought process as well. It opened up at plus 126 to the over, six cents of movement technically against us here in taking the over of Garrett Cole's K prop of eight and a half. We're crazy. It's, now plus it's okay. 32, but we can do it. We can work with that fishy line movement a little bit here. Again, Baltimore has the ninth highest K rate against right handed pitching in Major League Baseball. 
baseball at 24.2%, up by a full percent in the last two weeks. They do strike out a little bit less at home in general, although Camden Yards is home to the worst home record in all of Major League Baseball and also home to a lot of overs, as we know as well. Garrett Cole did not go over this number when he was pulled from his start a week ago, but He's looking, feeling better right now. They weren't overly concerned by that hamstring issue Tuesday night of last week. I don't think it will be too much of an issue this week as well. But he didn't go over a week ago, but he has gone over this number two straight times before that most recent start and in six of his last eight starts. So it's plus money to something that Garrett Cole has done frequently here as of late. I completely agree with you, Ariel. It is the top end of the market. It is normally an area you stay away. It is probably the most top end you will find with a Major League Baseball pitcher in Garrett Cole, but only at eight and a half. And with plus money against an Orioles team that is not very good, not good at home, and strikes out a decent amount, I don't mind taking that plus money tonight. I have one more play in this game. The Yankees, even though they're at Camden Yards, a place where people assume you're just going to bet overs or you're going to just have the Yankees hit the over. Any away team you like to bet any kind of team total over on in Camden Yards. However, the Yankees team total is six and a half. They're only averaging just over five runs per game in the first game of series on the road in the second half of the year. Even more importantly, the Yankees are only averaging just over two runs per game when their ace is on the mound against divisional rivals in the second half of the season. Actually, uh, this entire season, that's that's for. Just over two runs per game with Cole on the mound is horrible. That's Mets numbers with Jacob DeGrom pitching. <laughs> the offense doesn't perform when when their ace is pitching, and that concerns me for that really high total of six and a half runs. I would take the under there for the Yankees team total. Ben, any other props uh, or any kind of side stand out to you on this baseball slate? One final note as the Yankees begin this set in Baltimore. Just because that total does not look all that enticing today does not mean you should stay away from it for the rest of the series. We have seen this multiple times in Baltimore, most recently, as Ariel very pointed out, at the end of last week, heading into the weekend. Just because the Toronto Blue Jays did not hit on their first team total in Friday night's game, they scored 11 runs in both games of a doubleheader on Saturday, and then 22 runs against the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards on Sunday. So maybe go back to a Yankees team total starting tomorrow on a Wednesday. I also look to another K prop across the board, targeting the Milwaukee Brewers starter in Freddie Peralta. His opponent today is the Detroit Tigers. His strikeout prop against the Tigers is five and a half, also plus money to the over at plus 114. Now, Freddie Peralta was a great strikeout pitcher to start the year, but in his last three starts, Ariel, he has combined for just 10 Total strikeouts, four strikeouts, four strikeouts, and two strikeouts. A little bit worrisome, but against the Detroit Tigers, this could be a good get-right spot because the Tigers have the second-highest K rate against right-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball this year at 25.7%. It has dropped by about 3% in the last two weeks, but still the ninth-highest since the All-Star break at 24.1%. That strikeout rate for Detroit against right-handed pitchers. Now, I mentioned how Freddie Peralta has only had 10 total combined strikeouts in his last three starts, but the number seems to indicate that we might be able to bounce back in a good buy-low spot at 5.5 with plus money to the over because Freddie Peralta has gone over 5.5 strikeouts in all games but two this entire season since this most recent three-game stretch where he is not. In every other start this year but two of them, 
Freddie Peralta has gone over this strikeout number of five and a half. I think he can bounce back in the strikeout department against the Detroit Tigers. And kind of like Garrett Cole's cap, I like some plus money to the over here for Freddie Peralta. Another strikeout problem looking at is the under. Tampa Bay Rays uh, road dogs at the Toronto Blue Jays. This line continues to move in Toronto's favor. Minus 134 on the money line is now at minus 152. At first, I thought I was going to look at the Toronto Blue Jays starter, Jose Barrios' strikeout prop. However, I actually looked to the Tampa Bay Rays starting pitcher, Drew Rasmussen's prop, and I like the under four and a half. It's not posted on FanDuel. Uh, no offense, Vandal, but I did just look around the market. That's what I saw was a four and a half. I would take the under. Under. If Vandal gives you a four and a half, take the under. I would love Drew Rasmussen uh, averaging three strikeouts per game ever since he's gone over to Tampa Bay in his last five starts. He has only gone over the number of four and a half one time in his last five starts. And Toronto has the second lowest strikeout rate in baseball, striking out 20.5% of the time in the last 30 days. That has gone down to just under 18% of the time, the lowest strikeout rate in baseball. Take the under on Rasmussen's K-prop today, Ben. I have one more strikeout prop as well. It's for a game not currently listed on the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's between the Angels and the White Sox on the south side of Chicago tonight. And when you look at this game, Make sure you target the Angels in a potential strikeout pop prop, depending on what the number is posted for Lucas Giolito. It could be a little bit inflated, but it still might make sense because the Angels have the 10th highest strikeout rate against righties this year at just over 24%. But in the last two weeks, really in the last three weeks, the Angels have the highest strikeout rate in all of Major League Baseball against right-handers at more than 28%. That is a 4% increase for a team that is already in the top 10 in strikeout rate in Major League Baseball this season. Lucas Giolito has 150 strikeouts this year, excuse me, 180 strikeouts this year in total, tied for the 15th most in all of Major League Baseball. It hasn't been all that prolific at times. When you look at his last two starts, five strikeouts, six strikeouts against the Blue Jays, three starts prior to that, though, and in three starts prior to those most recent two starts, eight strikeouts apiece in each of those three starts. So depending on the number, when it is posted on the FanDuel Sportsbook for this matchup between the White Sox and the Angels tonight, I would lean the over of Lucas Giolito's strikeout prop, mainly because the Angels have been striking out a ton, more than 28% against righties the past two weeks. That is the highest mark in all of Major League Baseball. Oh, okay. Good facts. Good facts. I like the stats. I have one other stat that I like with the trend. City Field Unders. We love them. 62.5% of the time, it cashes in on the under. This one may actually hit eight because the starting pitcher for the Mets, Marcus Stroman, has hit a lot of eights at home. However, not over that number. Also, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the Cardinals haven't allowed a run in 24 innings. I would look to the under again for this City Field game. The Cards won 8 nothing yesterday. Mets bats struggled following that Yankees-Mets subway series. Woodford, who's pitching today for the Cardinals, has a 3.95 ERA on the road. Stroman has a 2.96 ERA at home. In fact, Stroman's last home start to go over eight runs was back on April 11th. Stroman has been profitable to the under this year when getting a start for the Mets. Anything else for you, Ben? Well, just that the impact of these games you will see on this Tuesday card of Major League Baseball. Ariel mentioned that one at City Field. We talked about it yesterday as well. The Cardinals a half game back of that second and final NL wild card spot. They are tied with the San Diego Padres, a half game behind the Cincinnati Reds, who open up a series on the road in Pittsburgh today against the Pirates. Wait. 
in my on the mound for Cincinnati. So as you are following the National League wildcard race, you can watch three games tonight. The Padres and the Giants, the Cardinals and the Mets, and then early on, the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates in Pittsburgh tonight. All three of those will have a huge impact on what this race in the National League wildcard looks like. You could also look to the AL wildcard. As we mentioned, the Blue Jays, a full game lead for that top spot in the American League wildcard right now, taking on the best team in the American League in the Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees, as we know, are in a very beneficial position on the road against the worst home team in baseball in the Baltimore Orioles. Late night tonight out in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, the Red Sox are a minus 142 favorite with Nathan Avaldi on the bump against the Mariners. All of these games, as we are getting to just about 18 games left in this Major League Baseball season. Every game has a huge impact for the postseason. You know, that's another strikeout prop I was looking at was Evaldi for the Red Sox. I don't know where it is. I lost it. I thought I had it written down, but I guess not because when you look at what's gone, oh, here it is. I found it. Uh, he's averaging just under seven strikeouts per game is against te- uh, teams with the top 10K rate against righties, and Seattle has the third highest strikeout rate against righties and highest K rate at home. I would keep a close eye on Evaldi's strikeout prop if you can get an over five and a half. Coming up next, Bill Grackenberger, live from Las Vegas. Stay on the grid sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com on the morning after on sports grid sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel evstein no one better to close out hashtag trusted capper tuesday with than bill krakenberger live from las vegas crack i've known you for quite some time now and i have never really known you as a fan except yesterday it was the first time that i will introduce you as a vegas raiders fan Ooh. you were in attendance at allegiant stadium last night how was it with fans back there for the first time ever <clears throat> Hey, hey, guys. Uh, Well, I'll tell you, I was in Jersey, which I'm going back. I'm flying back tomorrow. So uh, I was in Jersey, but I had some buddies that wanted to come out here for this opening game. And we had a nice luxury suite above the stadium. It was real cool. So I flew back in for that. But I got to tell you, even the night before the game, I was like, "Uh, I really don't want to go to this game. I'm not a fan to go to a game. I just don't do that kind of stuff. It's not me. Uh, especially I won't go to, and, and you won't believe this. I get that box for all, every single home game. They were like, I'll take it. any game you want. I know it's so crazy. I, 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 and if you guys come out here, if you and Kelly want to go, I'll set that up. You guys can go. By the way, that experience is unbelievable. You don't really get to see in that unless you see the full experience there. Which I, I should have took some videos. I mean, it's all the food, all the drink, the whole floor of sweets there. They have carts after carts after carts outside in the hallway. It's all free. Everything's free. Dessert carts, Sunday carts, and, like, they're making the Sundays and cookie dough styles. Like, oh, this stuff's going to put me in a nursing home. Uh, I couldn't have none of this stuff. It just, But they have cart after cart. They had lobster, shrimp, carts, ice sculptures. I mean, the, you get everything for free. So it's really, really cool. 
um, to take some people there. I had I had some fans with me and some some friends. They really enjoyed the game. It's a w- way to watch a game. It's a really great way to watch a game. So um, the experience overall was unbelievable. And you know, I'm just waking up. So I'll just tell you right now. I just gr- got got out of the shower and I got right on air, air here. I don't know from home. I haven't really talked to no one yet. I don't know from home. You guys, maybe you'll know more than me here. Or you're you're going to give me an answer. Being at that game felt like it was incredible. Like, this is like an unbelievable game to watch at home. I don't know if you can get that experience like it was there, but it felt like it was an unbelievable, like, type of a game. Like, one of the best Monday Night Football games of all time. I don't – that might be music being too strong, but um, it felt that way. What do you guys think? Was it like that? Watching at home? Ariel, you want to go first? Uh, it, it was an amazing game from a totally unbiased football perspective. Crack, when it came to the end result, I wanted to jump off a bridge. Uh, I am not sure oh. if that is a good answer for you, but I do think yeah. the game was really exciting. And I could get the feel for what it felt like at Allegiant Stadium. It was rocking. It looked packed. Now, one thing I do want to ask you from a gambling perspective, Crack, is is because there were so many people there that were able to go to the game. And I saw that number come down to three right before kickoff. How much did that impact the line moves yesterday because fans were coming to the game? You know, uh, I, I looked at the line moves because um, I was with a friend, a pretty wealthy guy, uh, one of my best friends in the world. He's from the South. He flies in on his own plane. He, he, he bet 20000 on the Raiders plus four and a half minus 05. He bet 20000 again on the Raiders plus four and a half. And at game time, you know, he's drinking vodka and orange juices. And he's like, crack, what's the line around town? He got get me 10 more thousand on this game. And I was like, I, I, it, it's three now. You can't bet this game at three. You can't bet it. The only way to bet is to bet Baltimore now. You cannot bet the Raiders. He goes, I don't care, bet it. So this guy had 50000 on the game. He was in the video. You see him screaming and curse. He was in the video behind me. Um, He's one of my best friends in life. He, he's a pure gambler, true gambler. I mean, it, and uh, he, he took the three again. The, the square sucker side of that game, of course, at the end it wasn't. But uh, I don't know how you could take three. And it was. It was three at most spots. And, you know, sometimes those little bets in volume, the 50s and 100s, you had 66,000 people in the stadium last night. I mean, those little bets on volume, they can equal they can equal so much that the bookmakers have to overmove them. But I have to go by the offshore line last night, and the offshore line, you know, right away was, was, was you know, bang down to three. I mean, it was just uh, it was the sharp side of the game, I guess. If you're if there is sharp sides of NFL games, which there are, um, I'm very tough on NFL side betting, so uh, I know that. But um, it, it, yeah, the, it, it was amazing to see that game go to three. So that game moved. I'll say it was four yesterday because the injuries came out on Baltimore a couple of days earlier. Some there was some you know wise guys jump on injuries right away. I bet the Raiders, um, but that game was still four at a couple spots yesterday, and it went right to three at game time. I mean that that was not only wise guys, but it was sharps also at the same time. And uh, I'll just tell you, I, I don't think the bookmakers could have done too well. As a matter of fact, I seen. Uh, the South Point put that they got they got killed on the game. So I think all the bookmakers in town probably lost on the game. Or, um, you know, but th- let's not get our collection cups out just yet for the bookmakers. Because, um, you know, on Thursday night, the opener, Tampa Bay, Dallas. If Tampa Bay would have lost that game outright, 
which I didn't watch that game, but I'm told that Dallas probably should have beat them in the end. Um, that would have been one of the biggest money makers in the history of sports betting. They would have made all well, history of NFL sports betting. That's how much money was tied up in teasers in money line parlays. You know, I can't, I could talk until I'm hoarse like I am now. I can't, I can't tell you how many times people love to put money line parlays in on, on big teams that are seven point favorite. They'll put Tampa Bay in together with, you know, with, with all these other teams and, and um, that are favorite. And they, I think they got the money. They got the money with the Rams. They got the money with San Fran. Uh, but, 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 I mean, it doesn't always happen. I mean, you look at teams like Green Bay, they, 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 you know, they got killed. So um, it just, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's the hardest sport there is to beat. Uh, again, I'll bet totals. I'll bet props. And, and I'll bet totals over. I, I bet a lot of – I bet Dallas – I bet the Cowboys over like 53 and a half here, 50, 53 yesterday. I mean – I'll bet overs in the NFL, but um, as far as sides, it's very, very, uh, very, very tough for me to, to bet a lot of sides. Anything can happen. It's the any given Sunday, uh, old things since we were little kids. It's true in the NFL. Crack, and we saw that in week one on this past Thursday, Sunday, and even last night on Monday. Underdogs were 12-4 and four against the spread, nine of them winning outright. So I think as you look ahead to week number two, we have already seen the odds move and the lines move in a tremendous way. How do you advise the casual sports better to not overreact to what you see week one as you get ready to play your bets for week number two? NFL is overreaction central. NFL week one especially. People see these games at home and automatically they think that that's the way the season's going to go. They have Arizona going to the Super Bowl. They have Green Bay dead, <laughs> and they have uh, they have they have uh, Rogers is terrible. Uh, I mean, just because of one week, I, it's absolutely insane, you know, As, but I will tell you, though, um, like, like I, I bet some week two look ahead lines. One of them was Denver minus two and a half. Talk about an overreaction. The line's now six. Now, I knew it wasn't going to be two and a half. I kept on going in. I, I was in Atlantic City, and I kept going into resorts and betting it over and over again, all they can eat. I mean, literally, I bet like 5,000, walked out. The line was still two and a half, went back again. So I have like over 10,000 on that game. And I don't bet sides normally like that um, in the NFL. I'm actually going to come back. I never, I don't like middles. I'm not a middle guy. I have the value by taking the one team. Um, especially college basketball and stuff, college football, I will never get off a game. But I actually bet some games, some big money on games. I bet New England week three minus one. Um, I bet Denver week two minus two and a half. Uh, I bet a third game just with the mindset that this is not going to be the right line and I'm going to be able to middle at game time. So um, I do do that. And I am going to do that because the NFL, the, 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 like I said, almost anything can happen. But going back to the overreaction, People just think that, you know, uh, this is over for certain teams. Don't forget now. I think the Green Bay game was 38-3. to I think that was. Um, you, if you remember last year, Tampa Bay actually – Tampa Bay was beat up. I, I think it was the first week. I think it was the Saints beat them by 16 or something. But then they came back and beat them 38-3. to This is the team that won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady and, and, and the Buccaneers. So uh, – you, you don't go by week one, only week one things. I mean, I, I sometimes these overreactions, they're probably, if I put some more time and have my crew put some more time into um, week two NFL is probably 
over the biggest overreactions, you can really get some val- some, some value uh, week week two. I seen the Eagles game. Uh, you got to don't mind me. I'm still fuzzy. Whoever the Eagles are playing this weekend, I noticed that line was oh San Fran. 49ers. So San Fran, yeah, San Fran was on the look ahead line was um, was six a week ago. Oh, a week ago, you could have had that. Now that line was three yeah. yesterday. It's three and a half even. Um, it's amazing the overreaction. They wouldn't they think the Eagles are that good because they won one game? I mean, it's it just and they won a convincing game. Oh they, yeah, they won against Atlanta. They won against Atlanta. I mean, it's not like they're they're they're. But I said crack or something. Yeah. So exactly overreactions week one. Yep. Don't pay attention uh, to these overreactions. It, it's really amazing in the market though how uh, week two is always overreaction central. Crack. Props. Props are something you love to focus on, and I'm sure you're going to go to Jersey and try to attack those. Which market do you like the most? Oh, yeah. Uh, the primetime games. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, though. We don't have what you guys have out there in Jersey. The fans Tackles, the props, Kings. crack. Yeah, Tackles, they put stuff props. on. They put, they put props on the day games. So every Sunday, that's right, Sunday day games throughout the whole day, you could bet any of those game props on it. You click on the game, and then it opens up to a ridiculous menu of props for each game. We don't have that here, and I think just the Superbook may put up a couple, a couple of prop bets, but nothing like the Fanduel's of the world. So um, you guys are really lucky with that, and I enjoy betting the player props too. That is where my specialty comes in, player props. But you're right, the team props also like tackles. This is stuff that could be overlooked because it's not ironed out like the NFL is. Even the NFL totals, the sides, they're talked about on every major media network throughout the week. So, therefore, the line makers can get those lines right and usually do. They usually do get it, you know, a little bit closer um, than any other sport compared to the collegiate sports. However, prop bets, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to insult FanDuel or anybody, but it's everybody. They can't get all those lines right. I know they have a prop specialist that puts up every single prop, and that's his job, nothing else. But listen, when you're putting up 40, 50 props per game, and you have a dozen, 13, 14 games to put up, you're not going to get 700 props right. You're just not. And your algorithm may be much different than my algorithm and my model. You know, so uh, and, and I really believe that that me and my team have the best props in, in, in the world uh, out there. Now, Granted, when there's high-scoring games like we just had in these primetime games, because that's my favorite thing to do, to bet Thursday, Sunday, Monday night props. However, when there's high-scoring games like these, I'm going to lose. That's right, because I bet 80% unders. So uh, I just love betting against the public. I I bet against Tom Brady. Uh, I bet thousands, by the way, uh, last week on on under yardage. I I found anywhere from 295 to 305, 307. And if it wasn't for the last drive of the game, I would have won that. It was literally like a $14,000 swing on Brady under. I'm going to bet against guys. Like, I know it's not pretty. My betting's not pretty. It's not fun. It's not, you can't root for it. Crack, we have to get to break. We have to get to break, but make sure to catch more of Crack on the Crack Wins app. It's definitely a place to look for some winners. Bill Kragenberger, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
final segment on the morning after on Sports Grid. Thanks for tuning in on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. It's time for our best bets of the day. Let's get to to bet to us part. What better way for me to stay sadistic than to bet an under on my baseball team? I'm going with the Yankees. Team total under six runs. Six and a half is really the number I'd like if you could shop around. Six is on FanDuel. The Yankees are averaging just over two runs per game when Garrett Cole's pitching a divisional game. That's throughout the course of the entire season. For, for whatever reason, the Yankees don't score with their ace on the mound against divisional rivals. Even though the overs are profitable at Camden Yards, the Yankees in their first game of a road series in the second half are averaging five runs per game. This number is just too much, especially if you have a six and a half. I would take the under for the Yankees team total today. Ben, what do you got? Ariel, you just cracked me up right there because I did not realize until you mentioned it that for the second straight day, you have a bet in a game involving some of your favorite teams. You didn't bet on the side yesterday for Baltimore, and the Yankees could still win and go under that team total of six today against the Orioles. I'm looking at Freddie Where Peralta lose. and his strike. Oh, who knows? Maybe, hopefully for you, some positivity on this Tuesday. I'm looking at Freddie Peralta and his strikeout prop against the Detroit Tigers, who have the second highest K rate against righties in Major League Baseball this this year, 25.7%. It has dropped slightly in the last two weeks, and Freddie Peralta's strikeouts have also dropped slightly in the last couple of starts. Only 10 total in his last three combined starts, but the number of five and a half, Freddie Peralta has gone over that in all but two other starts this entire year, dating back to April. I think Freddie Peralta gets back in a get-back-right spot against the Detroit Tigers today over his strikeout prop of five and a half, some plus money, too, at plus 114. I can't tell you how happy I am that this show is over. I was really dreading it this morning. So thank goodness we can finally sign off. Thanks for joining us on the morning after on Sports Grid. For Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. I'm just going to fade my teams the rest of the season, and you can all be there with me to do it. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time, right here on the grid. Where you get your information is at least as important as what it is. We're your trusted.